want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Well, hey there. On today's episode is my friend, Beverly Simpson. We share so much in common, as you'll hear, and consequently, I think you will too. Beverly is a personal trainer turned marketing and messaging master. In this episode, we discuss the body and narcissism, finding your unique voice and positioning it, and loving the process more than the outcome. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. All right, you all, I have with me today, my dear friend, Beverly Simpson. I am so excited you're here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Honestly, we could talk forever. It Literally, we were like, just hit record, hit record. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before we came on, it was like, we started to talk. I was like, no, 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 save it, save it. <laughs> I, I liken it to Regis Philbin. I think I, I, I told you this, that Regis Philbin with, with Regis and Callie and Kathy Lee, Regis used to be like, save it for the camera. Like he only, he would not talk to them before they went live because he wanted it to be natural and real. And I feel the same way. So I'm really glad because you're like, I think you might be my Kathy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Live for it. Love it. <laughs> so for the audience members out there, not for me, but for the people out there that are listening, tell them who you are, what you do and all that stuff. Yeah, great. All the fun stuff. So hi, I'm Beverly Simpson. And honestly, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Nick. It is honestly, every time we talk, I just, I love it. It's truly a pleasure and a privilege. So I am a former singer, actress. I know that so feels like decades ago, but honestly, I was a aspiring actress. It's what brought me from California to New York. I drove across the country at 26 and I moved to New York. And when I was there along the way, I fell in love with fitness, which I'm sure we're going to get into that, but I fell in love with fitness and I actually left the theater industry and the performing industry to become a personal trainer. And from there, I was the fastest growing personal trainer in in Crunch Manhattan to go from trainer to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager to district fitness manager. So that by the time I left the gym after four or five years of working, I was responsible for hiring and developing fitness managers and running five locations in the New York, Manhattan, New Jersey area. And then I had my two daughters who are now five and three. God love them. Uh, (laughs) 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 I swear, I I swear, I'm such a deep parent. For all my parents out there, I love you guys so much. But I swear, every day, I feel like Miss Hannigan more and more. But (laughs) Like, I really get her sometimes. But when I have my two kids, I left to start my own online business and just keep going from there. So uh, what I joke about being a bee parent, that honestly, my children's entrance into this world was just so life transforming for me on so many different levels. So they are a blessing, even though sometimes I feel like Miss Hannigan. (laughs) 
So speaking of Miss Hannigan and musical theater, let's back up the train. Because you came to New York yeah. to be a Broadway person, I assume. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you found fitness. Mm-hmm. What was it about fitness that you were like, oh, wait, this is where I belong, not necessarily singing in musicals, although you may love them? I had this belief in my mind that my body did not match my vocal type. Okay. And I should just show you photos of myself back then, because honestly, it's insane that I actually am saying those words, but that's how I felt. I felt that I was not lean enough. I was not short enough to be an ingenue. And the truth, and we've talked about this before too, I probably really should have just kind of followed my spirit because I'm more like a Kristen Chenoweth. Like I'm a character actress. I'm funny by like by nature. I'm silly. I do voices. I just have a classical voice. So I'm more of the best friend role anyway. Okay, but I believed it was my body. Like, oh, I looked, I didn't look a certain way. So I had believed that I needed, I needed to train into my voice. That if I just worked out more, I would get the perfect job. So then what happened was I started with Beachbody. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, not because I have anything, okay? I don't, but like, I have since grown into my role as a fitness professional and I have, you know, I've taken a lot of certifications in the studies of science and strength and conditioning starts, like, and I work with some really high level strength and conditioning coaches. But I got my start doing, you know, Shanti, love them, insanity. Okay, I just have to say, I did Shanti for the first time this winter during COVID. I had never done Beachbody, didn't know what it was, but of course, being in the online community, I keep hearing Beachbody, Beachbody, Beachbody. I'm like, what the hell is this Beachbody thing? And a friend gave me access pass, and I went and did Shanti, and I thought I was going to throw up the entire time. Just FYI. I love him. I love you, Shanti, when you hear this. Love you. But like, you know, (laughs) I was doing that and thinking I'm a trainer now. So now I discover, you know, and it was funny because when I was in high school, we went to New York for like our trip and I couldn't tell you who she was, but we went to like a presentation and what she said, she was a Broadway dancer at the time. And all I can remember is that she had blonde hair. And she said, if you love something else, do something else. And those words I've really lived by because I've come to recognize and realize that what she meant was you have to love the process more than the outcome. Because you're going to be spending more time in the process than you are in the outcome. The outcome is just these mountaintop peak moments. They disappear. And then if you're anything like me, you're just going to see another mountain and have to go and want to go up another mountain. So you're going to be spending more time climbing than you're going to spend at that peak moment. As I'm saying this now, I'm recognizing there's always going to be areas of opportunity, but I'm recognizing that I probably could, you know, hang out a little bit more, enjoy that peak moment a little more instead of rushing to the next mountain. Mm. But ultimately for me, you're just going to spend more time in the process. And if you don't enjoy it, then, then what's the point? Our time is so, is never guaranteed and it's limited for this life. So if you're not enjoying it, you got to make a change. So I had always had those words in my head and in my heart. And I went to Cap 21 for grad school. I mean, I was in a top conservatory working with amazing, incredible people, but I just could not enjoy the process. So then what happened was I was like every performer, I was a waitress, but I had done that for so long. I just thought, you know, there's got to be a better day job. There's got to be a better job that I could do that's going to be more fulfilling and grow me. 
and I'm working out so much. Why don't I just, you know, become a personal trainer? So that's what I did. And in my head, I thought I'm going to go audition in the morning and then I'll go back into the gym at night. But I was finding that like going to auditions was was just, I was hating it, not liking it. And then I started getting, you know, I started getting these, my clients were getting success. And I started getting these dopamine hits of recognizing that my work actually had a direct impact on somebody else. Mm. And that to me was just so much more fulfilling. And what I thought at the time was that I was leaving a narcissistic industry because everything was all about, you know, what do I look like? What do I sound like? Is my hair done? Is I blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. That's all that was running through my brain. And at the time I thought, oh, finally. <laughs> so funny i'm laughing only because come on fitness not a narcissistic industry like come on <laughs> at the time i was like i'm leaving narcissism and going to change the world and then i had my children i got pregnant with my children had my children and realized you know this is years later i realized oh it wasn't the narcissistic industry it was just the way it was just my narcissistic thoughts and the way that i was thinking about it that was the issue that was the work that's so powerful and so brave of you to be that honest about it to be like well, that was my narcissism basically is what you're saying yeah because you can be in a quote-unquote narcissistic industry and still be of service mm -hmm. right sure. if those auditions were feeding your soul and if you love because that is your job as an actress to audition that's what you do all the time if that was feeding you and you were then performing and you're like, my performance is an act of service to the world. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's not narcissistic, but it was the way in which you were sort of looking at it or, or focusing on it. Uh-huh. Always. hundred percent. hundred percent. The way that I was thinking about it. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because fitness and I've really gone down this rabbit hole of fitness. And when I say rabbit hole, I mean like really learning human biomechanics, how we breathe, done a lot of work with postural restoration Institute. I work with a lot of clients that were always talking about breathing mechanics and core strength. And it's funny because I always tell them, if I had known then what I know now, it probably would have changed me as a performer, just in terms of the way that I show up and also in the power of singing. Because like, I, I laugh and joke now because I sing for fun, right? Sort of. But my children are always like, mommy, it's too loud. Stop it. I always am curious, you know, sometimes I wonder, am I a better, I'm probably a better singer now than I was then. Oh, I know you are. <laughs> For so many reasons, not only like, like the biomechanics, but because you, you know yourself better. Yeah. I took something I loved to do, singing specifically is what I'm talking about now, but I took something that I loved to do and tried to make money doing it. I tried to turn it into a business and I lost the joy and love of doing it. So it actually took me a really long time after I left to start singing again. It's the only reason why he said, are you going to do it? Is because I just started singing around the house again. You know, I can so relate to this, Beverly. It was dance for me rather than singing. And just now, 20 some years later, am I recovering? Like I'm in dance recovery. Like I'm just now like putting like reels out of me dancing and being silly, right? But like just feeling it and doing it because I loved it so much as a kid and I loved it so much as a young adult. And even at the beginning of my professional career, I loved it to a certain extent. But by the time I had ended my dance career, I hated it. Yeah. 
And I and I was so upset that I hated something that I loved so much. I haven't been to a dance class in 20 years. And a friend of mine texted me the other day and she said, we're having a virtual dance class for like dancers over 40 kind of thing. And I was like, huh, it's been 20 some years. Would I enjoy that? So you moved to Crunch, well, Beachbody, then to Crunch. You worked the corporate ladder at Crunch, which, by the way, I was a member for 20-some years of Crunch. But you made the decision to move online. How did that decision happen for you? Because that's not an easy transition for people. Mm-mm, no. So I had two online transitions. So I can't wait to get into that. But I was pregnant with my eldest daughter, Gwendolyn. And I worked through my pregnancy. Now, I am for better or for worse. I love to work. I really do. I just, if I can't, I'm always tinkering on something. I do love to work. and I love to serve. Always have. And so I literally worked up until the day Gwen was born at the gym. So I just remember laughing, thinking, thank God I wasn't at the gym because it's totally possible that I could have been. <laughs> So Gwen was born and then I stayed for a year. And because of those closeouts, I started to get these thoughts into my brain that, you know, was I going to miss every holiday? Because every closeout, you had to be at the gym from seven till midnight. And I missed Gwen's first Halloween. I didn't, I wasn't there. And I remember thinking, is this my life? Is this what I'm going to have to do now? Just miss my kid's Halloween. And, you know, Christmas is on the 25th. We celebrate Christmas and New Year's. Am I just going to always be working for a whole week of the month and not see my children? And then I got pregnant with my second daughter. And I'm really loyal, too. Like, I'm a really loyal person. So, luckily, I had a boss that had a terrible boss. So, it's like yeah, always a hierarchy of bosses. And we just were not the perfect fit in working together. I actually, I still talk to him sometimes, but we were not the perfect fit in working together. It was very stressful. And it was easier for me to leave because I just couldn't work under those circumstances anymore. And I had all these reasons not to. And then I got, and I was commuting because I live in Westchester and commuting into the city. And I just realized that there's got to be something easier than this. I'm laughing because you all know that online business is not easy. <laughs> it's got easier moments, right? And like you, you just can go downstairs and work, right? Or, you know, roll out of your bedroom or bed and work. The commuting is easier. The commuting is easier. <laughs> so then I, I had a girlfriend that said, you know, have you considered just training online? And that was when I said, no, I hadn't. And then I saw what it could be and went right into the online world. And I dove in headfirst, pregnant with Abby, trying, you know, to manage a toddler who was nonverbal at the time. And my kids are 20 months apart. So Gwenny was little when I'm trying to like build an online business. I'm pregnant. And it was just, you know, a hoot of a time. And my online business, it struggled at first. That's why I said there was two pivots. I struggled at first and I couldn't figure out why. And I think the main reason why, I mean, I look back on it now and I think, oh, well, I could have done this. Or always something I could have done. And when I say struggled, by the way, I just mean that I wasn't making the revenue I wanted to. I was doing just fine. My business was just fine. I just wanted to scale it to be bigger than it was. Then I just stepped into my zone of genius because, listen, I'm really good at teaching personal trainers how to sell. I'm really good at it. And the trainers that I work with, they are so science-minded and they're so coaching-minded that they always know that there's more to learn, but it hurts them in their marketing because they don't feel good enough, essentially. 
So once I started teaching them, like, no, 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 own your genius, position yourself this way, things just got into alignment and took off. And that makes sense to me, because if you think about it, your entire background led you to that. 100%. And it was what I was doing at Crunch. That's, I mean, I was literally responsible for $2 million in revenue a month for years. You were doing it for somebody else. And so then when you finally turned it on to do it for yourself is when your business took off. I mean, it makes complete sense to me. And I work with some of my trainers now in the online world space. And they're like, we're just, we were just waiting for you. We're just waiting for you to come in. I'm essentially a fitness manager now here. So it's much better. It's more fulfilling. Now I get to really do what I love. And you know, performing is still a thing. And let's not pretend I don't sing on the podcast. Sometimes I mess around. I'm always, you know, I'm still singing. I'm just not. You're welcome to do that here at any point. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just not playing roles anymore. You know? Yeah. You're playing a different kind of role. Yeah. You're playing the role of mom. You're playing the role of business person. You're playing the role of coach of the trainers. Yeah. You know, there's so many roles that that you, that you play with your trainers. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Do they all work one-on-one or do you work with them to do one-to-many as well? I'm, I'm more, I have one-to-many. I have um, like a group coaching that we do together, but it has a coaching feel to it because I do make sure that everyone gets their questions asked every week. I've got an implementation call and then a coaching call every week. Yes, that's very similar to my program as well. Yeah, I love that. So how do you, because there's a lot of trainers out there, there are a lot of online businesses out there. How do you position yourself in this like crowded marketplace? Like what, how does one do, how does one go about doing that? So have you heard of the five levels of market sophistication? I have, but let's, let's, let's let everyone else know about it. Yeah, sure. Okay. We we have the same mentor. So of course I've heard about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So when someone says that there's, there's a market saturation, what they're really saying is that they just need to get better at their market sophistication, meaning that they need to add on every single layers. Now, this is a concept that came from a book called Breakthrough Advertising. That's where these five levels come from. And now the book is out of print. I think you can get it on like Amazon now for a thousand dollars, but that's where the, that's where this concept comes from. And I have made the mistake of trying to break it down to like, okay, on this level, you're going to do this and then blah, 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 blah. But really what I've come down to make it simple and for my trainers to help simplify it for them is that we just, we need to get really in tune with your systems, your own unique solution. What is your unique solution to solving your client's problem? Create your framework around it and then layer on top of it, you, your story, your cues, your context and your, and your lens, right? That's essentially what's going to help you get to what is called that fifth layer of market sophistication, that one, one in a market of one, because it doesn't matter. We all could, we're all talking about mind, body and meals essentially is what it comes down to. But the way you deliver it, it's going to land differently than somebody else. And there's plenty, there's 8 billion people in the world. There's plenty of clients for everyone. Yeah, it's impossible for the market to be saturated. There's 8 billion people. (laughs) Because if one person was going to train us all, it'd be Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? You know, nobody's inventing biomechanics. Nobody's reinventing how to, you know, how to do a squat. 
But it is interesting that you bring it up because I will tell you that when you niche down, for me, when I niche down that specific, and I'm very specific, I have fitness professionals, that's it. I don't have like another, I work with people one-on-one that are in different industries, but it's only fitness professionals. So it can be challenging to feel like I'm different than other people in the room. And I've been a fitness person and on that side and felt like, oh, I'm not different. But I am different. Nick and I could literally go through the exact same experience, but we're going to tell a different story because our contexts are different. So what resonates and hits with us is going to be different. So what we deliver to our people will be different, even though it's the, in theory, the exact same experience. It's really not, right? And this is the other reason why I don't care at all. Like sometimes people don't want to share. Yeah because they don't want to get their stuff taken. But I'm like, literally, I have an energetic imprint on my work. Take it. I 110% agree. When anybody copies or anybody, it's going to be different anyway. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And I have actually, so this is where I find that I'm not, because I'm really good at writing persuasive and influence copy, but I have tried to do it for my clients before and it never lands because I'm just particularly not skilled yet at writing in someone else's voice. Mm-hmm. Your voice, your context, how you show up is going to be so different that I couldn't even replicate it if I wanted to. And I've tried, yeah. you know? Oh, I do. I mean, this is this is a lot of what we talk about in Real Stories Itself, mm-hmm. my program, my signature program, because it's about you, boo, <laughs> and not about you at the same time. It's really about your client. It's really about your customer. Jim Fortin's brother-in-law, he talks about that. He says, you know, you have to care about everything, but give a damn about nothing. Yeah. It's like that. That's a really great quote. It's not mine, it's DX's, but I, I use it all the time. Like you have to create razor's edge content because it's literally, you know, care about it because you're serving and you want to see what's resonating, what's not, but you have to give it and let it go. It's, you know, it's the it's Buddhism. It's the, it's the practice of non-attachment. It's letting go. You can't hold anything too tight or you're fisting it to the place where you're crushing it out. If you hold it too loose, you know, it'll fall through. So you've got to hold in just in a, in a beautiful, gentle way. And that doubt that or that unwavering trust, no doubt, the, the, the removal of doubt that there is going to be plenty for everyone. This is why I'll bring people that will teach the same thing as me to my clients because they sometimes need to hear it differently. I'm like, oh, uh, oh, I go, yes, (laughs) because I agree, because sometimes the way in which I communicate it, they can't quite hear it, or it's like a building block. You know, you have to hear something once and then twice, and then somebody else speaks it, and then they're like, that's what he was talking about this entire time. Yes, absolutely, and so for my trainers, too, it's easy to equate it, right, because I get to say things like nobody squats once and then never squats again in their program, ever. We're squatting for the rest of our lives. You're going to deadlift a million different ways and a million different times in your program. It never goes away. Repetition is the mother of all learning. Yeah, truly. That's the, for all, all the teachers out there. That's like a must. Yes. It's a must. And it's, you know, like, like squatting, it's, it's a muscle that you build too. How to teach is a, is a muscle. Yeah. You know, it is. And it's also too, for my fellow teachers out there, it's skill acquisition. And there's so many, I'll say it, and I'm proud of it. And I, it's okay because I've been in it, right? I've experienced it myself where 
there's so many professionals out there that aren't awesome at teaching it. They're just good at doing it. They do it innately and they just can't break down what they're doing. So they can say things like, oh, just post every day, but then not know what to do with the person that's like, I have been posting every day and it's just nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's because what they do innately is hard for them to translate. Yeah, I mean, I, I know as, as somebody who is a an expert of type, right, a, a story expert, I've had to back up what I do. I literally had to break it down backwards because going from the end to the beginning, because I have been doing it for so many years that I don't even think about what I'm doing anymore. Unconsciously competent. That's a gift. That's the goal, essentially. So I had to back it up, though, in order to really break it down in order to teach people. And it's, it's tri- it was trial and error at the beginning. Oh, for sure. And we're always, you know, sharpening the saw and getting better and learning. Yeah. It just kills me when I work with professionals who do stuff like this, you know, coaches, is that they just undervalue their gifts because they think, oh, everybody can do that. And I'm like, no, no, they really can't. Yeah. Most people can't. Most You're- people can't. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of gifts, what advice do you have to somebody who was maybe where you were a few years ago and like on that edge of like, do I go into an online business? Do I not? Like what? So, you know, I'll answer two ways because I'll answer like, this is what I wish that, you know, I would, if I could go back and talk to myself five years ago, this is what I would say. Number one is that you already know the answer. You already know what you want to do. Just do it. Right. I had this belief that I had to have a multiple million dollar online business before I could teach someone how to master their messaging. <laughs> I know I laugh at it now because I'm like, what? That's insane. That's like literally insane. I did have that belief. So that would be the first thing is that if you are not doing what you, you know, what you want to do, do it, just do it and do it knowing that you can't get it wrong. You can't get it wrong because you can always pivot. That was really my worry was that I was going to do it wrong. I was like, jump off the diving board and swim in the pool. But I was like, well, but my strokes better be perfect. Yeah. 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 And you know, to that also, I'll say this too, because I've had, I've had some trainers that I've really had to work through with this as well is that I personally think that indecision is one of the biggest things that work against you. That it is better to decide and be wrong than it is to waffer and waver and sit on the fence. Have you ever sat on the fence before? It's painful, right? And I just find that so many people get stuck on the fence. Mm. And that really the, the only thing that they have to do is make a decision. You can't get it wrong. Just make a decision. And it kills me because I'll watch them waffle for weeks. Yeah, because there's so much opportunity in the decision. Yes. You know, when you're waffling, it's like you're just asking yourself going back and forth. You know, you're just kind of contemplating what if, what if, what if, as opposed to what is, what is, what is, and then, you know, going from there. And hey, listen, I don't know if you got any Enneagram friends in there, but I am a counterphobic six. Okay, so I know that I know exactly how you feel having to work through worst case scenarios. I get it. So don't think that I'm discrediting that. I just, the way that I make peace with that for my own brain and for my own brain, that's like, ooh, what if, what if, what if, is that I just tell myself no matter what happens, I can handle it. Yeah. And then, and then honestly, like, I think indecision is the biggest thing that holds people back. 
I really go with the idea, this or something better, this or something greater. Yeah, Catherine says that too. And I love that. It's so true. So true. You know, because I'm trying to think of who it was I heard. I can't remember who it was, but I heard someone say, you know, I built this multiple million dollar business that I didn't like. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now what? Now what? Right? You know, and something else too that I've gone through, which is that I've gone through, you know, rock bottom. I remember driving in my car with my husband and we were driving across the country at 1 a.m. because we were visiting family and we went to like Michigan for our family and we were in Ohio and it was 1 a.m. and we pulled over for gas and my husband said, I don't think we have enough room on our, on our credit card to pay for gas. And I just crossed my fingers and said, try it anyway, right? So I have been there and been fine. We figured it out. Yep. You always do. Same, same, same. I was, speaking of Westchester, I was working at a show at a theater in Westchester. It was a dinner one. I love that. I've seen so many shows. Okay, sorry. You might have seen the shows in, I don't know. But I was at Grand Central and I'm working, but you know how expensive New York is. And and that theater didn't pay a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. It's a dinner type theater. And they didn't pay even our transportation. We had to get ourselves there. And I was at Grand Central with my ATM card getting money out to, you know, to get the the train. And I didn't have enough money to get the train to go to work. It was like the lowest of my low, right? I sat down the stairs at Grand Central and just (laughs) tears were rolling down my cheek. But of course, somebody helped me. And of course, I made it happen. And of course, it worked out. The low of the lows, the high of the highs. You know, there's this, it's, it's a journey. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I also talk to with my clients and my people and myself, to be honest, is that experience is a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because there, you know, there are times, like I was talking to my mentor this weekend, and he was asking me, you know, what are you really afraid of? And I said, well, I'm afraid to go back there. I've experienced it. I know I've gotten through it, but let's not pretend that felt amazing because it certainly didn't, right? Okay? So... <laughs> So it's kind of like touching the stove, right? You don't want to touch the stove because you know now what's going to happen. But now you always kind of have this lingering feeling of like, okay, I'm getting close to the stove. I'm going to get close to the stove. What's going to happen? So it's kind of like I wish I had that erase button where I can almost just get rid of the evidence, get rid of the experience, even though I learned a lot from it. I don't want to, I don't mean to like erase it like it didn't happen, but erase the scarring around it is kind of what I mean, meaning that I'm so grateful for those lessons because I know I wouldn't be here without them, but sometimes they have scar tissue and I wish I could just, you know, break through those. So speaking of lessons, Mm -hmm. rounding it all the way back to the top now, full circle of that girl, musical theater, drove across the country, decided to do this, transitioned to the online business. If you could speak to her, that girl, all the way back, what would you say to her? I would say the look of your body is not a measurement of your health and that your health is the most important component and and tool that you'll have for your whole life. And when I say health, I mean whole health, your mental health and your physical health is what I would say to her. She was so consumed of, you know, what I look like and thinking that the whole world cared when really nobody cared. The only person who cared was her. That's what I would say to her. And I would say that that applies to business too. Oh, 1,000, 1,000%. For any of you out there that are worried about what your business looks like to the outside world, the only one who cares is you. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, you know, one of the things, too, because we also talked about, you know, narcissism, too. 
this is something that I hold on to for my clients who will often tell me like, I got imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome and a really quick shift for me, even now, because listen, wherever you go, there you are. We're always working on, on me, on you. Is that when I start to get into those feelings of I'm not good enough or imposter syndrome, I just always come back to where's your attention. And when you're thinking about I'm an imposter, the subject of that statement is me. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I. Mm -hmm. And so and I just quickly shift it and who do I need to serve today? What do I need to say that will serve my people? And the second I can move my attention off of myself and onto my person, imposter syndrome seems to be less of a monster. Oh, so good. That is so right on. And I always say, how can I best serve? Because for me, I can, there's a lot of ways in which I could do it. <laughs> The multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate creative type. It's like, how can I best serve and to whom today? Totally relate to, by the way, the, the body image and the narcissism. If, I mean, I'm doing a whole dang documentary about it. So that, you know, so that tells you, that tells you my own body issues and my own narcissism around it. I love that because I think that there's this misconception out there that it only applies to women, but that's just absolutely not true. Not even remotely so. Even remotely. This is the human condition. Yeah, I think I even say that in, in, in the film. So we could talk forever, obviously, because we do. We're just friends. And so we just talk like this. <laughs> but I want to thank you so much for being here. How can people find you? Because I know after all this inspiring, I mean, you've really been inspiring today. As I was sitting here in this episode, I was like, oh, she's just so dang inspiring. So where can people find you to follow you? And I know that I, that, that I also have fitness professionals in my audience that will want to come and train, quote unquote, train with you as well. <laughs> uh, and you're so sweet. Thank you. Honestly, I really could just chat to you forever. The best place to find me is I'm really at B Simpson Fitness on all channels. So you can find me mostly. I hang out on Instagram. So you can find me Instagram and also on Facebook and, and my podcast, the PT Profit Podcast. Awesome. Thank you again. So happy to have you. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Please rate, write us a review, and subscribe so we can spread the word and other solopreneurs just like you can find us.